You're listening to a podcast with a newly established reputation for tipping winners. Yes, George and Charlie signed off episode 8 with nap selections that were duly victorious. Let's see if they can repeat the magic as well as come up with some winning conversation. It's time to roll out episode 9 of George and Charlie Off the Bridle. I'm Tony Rushmer, and to my left and right, I have two new market men who have been all over the hot trainers list in the last week or so, George Scott, Charlie Fellows. How did it all go so right? How did it all go so right, George? Yeah, no, it's been a, it's it? been a, good, it's been a good couple of weeks for both of us. Um, it's so nice to see George wandering around the heath with a nice smile on his face. <laughs> cock a hoot because his horses are finally running well. It's great. Everyone's happy. All is well. They won the sodding. Uh, they won the sodding rounders as well. So. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's actually probably my finest moment over the past weeks. Was bringing my my team across town, all of my staff for a barbecue and a rounders match. And uh, you know, we, I, we we we. It was a cakewalk, as they say. It was a it was a really really fun evening. Everyone had good fun, but. George Scott is the most competitive guy I have ever come across in my life. Highlighted by the fact that in uh, my second innings, I managed to absolutely nail the ball (laughs) miles. Extraordinary. And I mean, it's... Yeah. I mean, it went so far that it nearly hit, it nearly hit the boundary fence of Fellows New Yard. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm pegging it round, thinking I've got an absolute stonewall home run. And the next thing I see is a ball gets chucked by one of his lads into the sort of into the middle of the of the square, and George charges across, <laughs> elbowing lads out the way, takes <laughs> one hand the most above my unbelievable head, unbelievable catch you've ever seen, and goes and pings it to the fourth base to stop me getting around it. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> it was an extraordinary moment. So you know when someone hits it long and you know, you know I know my staff, I know Lucinda had a bit of a weak arm. So I, I was the bowler. I doubled back, headed straight across to the middle of the middle of the place. Lucinda threw a sort of roughish throw high behind me. I literally dived. At this point I could see fellows flopping his way from second to third base. Caught it in the at the bottom of my fingers, swizzle, turn, and hit the man at the fourth base and stop the rounder. So now it was good. It was it, it was, was good fun. It was six months of frustration at me <laughs> irritating him with with sort of winners all mooted out in one sort of piece of action. Yeah, no, it was good. It was a good good night. Actually, enjoyed that. I might have to do that again. It was great, and I think the lads really enjoyed it. And we had a nice barbecue, and it's it's really good to get together and and um, celebrate and you'd had a winner half an hour before as well so. yeah 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 no I had a winner so when I, I was a bit late because I was watching it. everyone was there fellows made everyone give me a round of applause all of this <laughs> stuff a round of applause for winning the apprentice handicap so that was good now the horses are, both of our horses are flying Charlie's obviously been going good for a while now but mine have really clicked into the year we've had five winners since the last time we sat in these seats and probably most excitingly is that I've got good two, another good two year old in the shape of Rahi who we've, I've talked long and hard about, and no doubt I'll be clutching out for the rest of the year, hopefully. But uh, he absolutely ripped down the hill at Lingfield, clocked a fantastic time and got an opening mark of 92. Ooh, did he? Yeah, so he's going to go to the Malcolm 
um, which is the uh, five third on group three at um, the glorious Goodwood. And we'll see how good he is. And we'll see if he's up to that grade. If he's not, fine. If he is, you know, it's an exciting season ahead. And, you know, what's he'll probably, no matter what, he'll go to the sales race, which he'll, he'll have a good chance in. And, yeah, it's great. And Charlie Founder has, has been bringing along a, a horse called Carn, Carnwagon. Carnwagon? Carnwagon. Carnwagon. A real fellow special, that one, isn't Big he? sleeper. Big sleeper, lovely big stayer, um, and he—I've never been overly impressed with him. He's so laid back at home, and he's—you know—he never does much on the race. He sort of wins without ever looking particularly impressive, and um, he was anything but that in, in the at, New, at Newcastle in the Vars. I was—it was the first time I've—I I've really thought might have a proper stare on our hands because he did everything unbelievably professionally. Travel great, and he looked the winner the whole way around. There was no point where you thought this no. was going to get beaten. Where um, where will he go next? And what's what, what what marks he up to now? He's up to ninety four. Ninety four. Went up seven. So would it, with the e ball or something, would that be a bit sharp for him? Uh, he's Won't get in. Not off ninety four. No, no, no he no. could run in the meantime, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. e ball's not until the end of August. Yeah. So the plan is to head to the JLT handicap which is a new 100 grand two-mile um, handicap at Newbury next weekend. Okay. Uh, two miles around Newbury is absolutely tailor-made for him. And from there, we will then decide where we go. Gut feeling, Ebor is too sharp for yeah. him. I think we will be maybe looking more at a Cesarevich or something like that. Well, during the middle of that warm run of form, Fellows admitted in our WhatsApp group he almost choked on his Cocoa Pops to see Scott on the uh, list of hot trainers. Well, Charlie, both George and I were similarly spluttering over our far healthier morning cereals when we saw your guest column in Tuesday's Racing Post outlining why your Royal Ascot winner should have been DQ'd. Not only do we think you were actually quite mad, but also we couldn't help but think you were channeling your inner Gosden as you made your point. <laughs> Case of the defence... Well, I think I, I I feel like from now on I would like to be named uh, Charlie Fellows, Saviour of Racing. From now on, if you could address me with that title, you, I let. I let Go this, on, George. This is, okay, this is this is George, my point. You can, I've rung him a couple of times on this. So, George, go on, get stuck in, and then I will present a very educated and very sensible defence. So I'm not. You I, can listen, okay, on. first and foremost, I actually fundamentally agree with the idea yes. of the stick the issue with the stick and the the losing of a race if the rules are broken because although there, there will be massive consequences it does seem strange um to the outside public that a winner can break the most significant of rules and still keep the race i agree with you now i'm not arguing okay i'm arg i'm i'm the point i'm making is more as a great friend in the way that you've presented the argument i think you you've gone to the racing post and they sadly, they've made it into this kind of quite aggressive, quite very strong, very punchy way of delivering it. And I think it's a bit sad, really, that you have brought your Royal Ascot winner into this, the most biggest moment of your career, biggest moment of your owner's and your jockey's career. And on the front of the racing post to have that headline, I think it's taken the shine off it slightly. And, I, and I'm disappointed Whoa, for you that serious? you've gone down that, that road with that channel of argument. Okay, so, right, I will counter that with the following. First and foremost, people have said, oh, he's anti-stick. 
I'm not anti-stick at all. In fact, I'm the opposite. I want the stick to stay. Second, the stick is going to go. Full stop. At some point, whether that happens in the next two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, at some point, the stick will go. No, I agree. It'll be carried, it'll be carried as a safety measure and nothing else. Mm. Now, I want to delay that. But you're not, you're not delaying it. You're, yes, you're, you are. You, but you, by what you did, you are speeding that process up. No, you're not. No, you're well, not. No, quite the opposite. By, by drawing such huge attention to it in that way, in the way that you did it. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. This was in the racing post. I know horse racing people think that the world revolves around them and that there is racing and only racing. It was in the racing post. Mm. That's not, that's gone to racing people. It's not like it was on the BBC headlines. It's not like it was on Sky Sports Racing. I know, but the racing it post was in the is racing post. The people that make these, that help make those decisions. No, it, no, exactly. Influence but those it, decisions. The important thing is it's not read by people who don't. What is listened to is BBC Five Live. And this podcast. And this podcast. <laughs> um, is, is Radio Five Live. So after Royal Ascot, after our winner, I got car home from, from um, Ascot. On the roll on the BBC News was Hayley Turner, first female jockey in 32 years to win, a, to win at Royal Ascot. However, victory tainted by the fact that she got a nine-day ban for overuse of the stick. Now, that doesn't go out to racing people. That goes out to everyone. And that damages our sport. And that we have to cut out in order for us to keep on and progress and stay ahead of the time. No, I agree. So that is my point. Now, with the stick... Can I just make the point? I agree with your point that you made, as I said to you when I first messaged yeah, you. I think it. you're overhyping how much influence the Racing Post has. It's, okay. it's read by racing people. It's not read yeah, by. But race, okay, but I'm. Does your, I'm do your mates buy the Racing Post? No, That's my point. From a friend's point of view, as a great friend of mine, you have split the room in the way in which you've gone about it. You've split, so let's say this, as a racing community, you've now laid, you've now given people an opinion on you. You've made people have an opinion on you. So You could have scared away potential owners, but I've had conversations with very important racing people that have disagreed with Of course the they disagree. How would you do it? Or do you, I do, How would you like do it? That, not so aggressively. Like How would you that. do my it? My racing, my Royal Ascot winner should be taken down. I mean, it just doesn't... Why? It's too much. Why? It's too full why on. Why is that too much? I understand that you need to make the point, but why do you need to use the best moment of your career to, to, inf- because, to highlight because it? Because then it has, it has an actual effect. People will step back and say, actually, do you know what? This guy clearly thinks about it. He clearly means that he's clearly got a point. Well, we have a difference in opinion. I've been overwhelmed by the number of people that have come up to me and said... That was an unbelievably written article. People that I would never, ever in a million years have expected to hear from, from all walks of life, from presenter, TV presenters to journalists to jumps trainers who I've never met to jumps jockeys. Loads of people have messaged me saying that was brilliant. It was, the, the, the argument is right. I agree with you. I think I've got a job as a journalist coming up. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We've got well, you've got plenty of space to do your writing look, in here when we've there are got, no horses. The fun thing is we've got Ed Chamberlain coming up who thinks that the Whit rules should stay the same. So me and you can have a proper yeah. debate with him about that because we both, I think, agree. You just don't agree with the way I went I'd up. rather find out whether Ed Chamberlain is still on WhatsApp groups with footballers, yeah. <laughs> personally. So, so last, <laughs> speaks volumes to the pair of you, those two <laughs> sentences there. So your last word on the subject was you were happy with the way it came across in, in the trade paper, the Racing Post. You yeah. were happy with yeah. what's happened. Yeah, I gave it the all clear. I knew what the headline was going to be. I knew how it was going to be delivered. I was happy with it. Very good.
lighter matters. Uh, at this point, we'd just like to thank Fitstairs for deciding to partner with us on the podcast. They kindly took us uh, down to Annabelle's, didn't they, last month uh, on tour and have followed up by becoming Off the Bridal's very first partner. A big thank you to the Fitstairs team and uh, let's all have some fun over the next few months. Right, it's just about time for that very special guest that uh, Charlie just uh, previewed for us. Uh, on the other side of the music, we will be serving it up to none other than ITV's Racing's main man, Ed Chamberlain. Very pleased that we've been joined by Ed Chamberlain. Ed, you're in town for the July meeting. What do you make of Newmarket? I have to say I love Newmarket. I didn't, before I took the job in ITV, I have to admit, I didn't know a lot about Newmarket. I'd been here a few times. I always used to come to the Craven meeting because it was before the football season really got going. But obviously now I've spent a lot of time here and the place just absolutely fascinates me. I love getting up in the morning with Luke Harvey and heading out onto Warren Hill and just drinking it in, I think, to coin a Martin Tyler phrase. There's just something very magical about it. And now I'm learning. Even I'm, with Luke Harvey <laughs> sort of ruining the nice, peaceful... Well, Charlie, and a few, I must admit, a few of the grooms, the female grooms, seem to know him rather well. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> We've had some very funny instances out there. And then he's, he's blushed and explained what happened afterwards. But it, it's got a magic about it. In sport, I, I encourage everyone to come and experience Newmarket. As I'm learning a little bit more about the breeding industry and so on, it, it's accelerating my, my interest and I, I, I want to learn more and I love history and I've just had breakfast actually next door with Richard Hoyles and talked a bit about our plans for today and history and there's history everywhere particularly at this meeting. And you mentioned drinking it in that's a Martin Tyler phrase you came from football why trade football for us lot and racing? <laughs> I have to say that's a question I get asked probably pretty much every day of my life on in various shops high streets wherever I go and it was a big decision you know it was a, it was a, it was a huge risk there's no two ways about it but it, for me it was a very easy decision you know I'd been in football a long time I'd been at Sky for 19 years I'd done the main job I suppose at Sky with Monday Night Football and Super Sunday for six Gary Neville had just moved on he'd gone to Valencia which went obviously extremely well for him <laughs> <laughs> my, my transfer I think has gone slightly better it's safe but to it, say you were ahead uh, and that's those stakes but it just felt like it felt like a, a, a good time George to take a, a new challenge and do something different and I haven't regretted it for a single day. Were you a big racing fan or was this just something that you followed as another sport, as a sports enthusiast or was racing really something you loved and were interested in and, uh, and it was always something that you maybe thought about going into? So this week is the anniversary, I, I dread to think how many years, of when I was on the, it was the BHB back then, when I was on the BHB graduate training scheme and I'm going to speak to the graduates tomorrow morning at the British Racing School and tell them how lucky they are because I'd love to go through all that again. And, and so when I was 20, 21, racing was all I wanted to do. So and really you're a frustrated trainer? I was not a frustrated <laughs> trainer at all, no. I wanted, I wanted to go, I thought, I don't know why, but I thought I wanted to go into race course management. And I went on this course, and you were able to put down three places yeah. where you'd want to go for your work experience, two weeks. And I put down Ascot, Goodwood, and as they were then, the United race courses, which were Epsom, Kempton, Sandown, weren't they? And I got sent to Ladbrokes, Oh. my work experience and I remember my heart breaking thinking this is the end I remember my dad they went and bought me my first suit to go and work at Labrooks and I walked in in this double-breasted Marks and Spencer suit and no one had worn a suit at Labrooks <laughs> in 25 years so I looked like an absolute twit on day one and my, I remember my dad saying to me you, you know last the, the two weeks and then go and do a normal job and I was at Labrooks for three and a half years as their really? horse racing and, and cricket odds compiler and then it's this anniversary again of when I lost my job as the, horse, as the cricket odds compiler when I cocked up 
Pakistan against Bangladesh. <laughs> very controversial game where I think I was 33 to 1 Bangladesh and got absolutely filled in. Um, and that was the end of my cricket odds compiling career. And then, listen, I then got into TV by accident and the TV I was in, football, it was everything and remains pretty much everything. Um, so, you know, I moved into that world. Because you've developed quite a reputation for picking out the winners of these big races, haven't you? <laughs> My younger brother, who's absolutely obsessed with racing, said, you must ask him how he comes up with these winners because you, you seem to have a knack for it. So it's, it's not just a, it's a, it's a, it's a massive understanding of the game, isn't it? No. We've had for a long time now, though. No, no, it wouldn't I'm be. I'm betting. It wouldn't be. Luck would play a big part. <laughs> but I did, you know, I did Very have humble. a, you know, you say a frustrated trainer. You know, punting was the way I got into racing. Yeah. My, my grandfather was a... A good punter, serious punter, loved cider, and he lived in Somerset, loved cider, the ITV7, and, a, and his tote credit account, and that's how I was brought up. So, age seven, eight, nine, I was helping him with his selections, and, and you know what it's like, once you get a taste for it, I was then completely hooked. But, listen, you know, at the end of the day, the competition's not great with Bell and Chapman and those type tipsters, so I'm probably flattered by the competition. It's not a group one contest at the moment. <laughs> and I've had a bit of luck and my, my love affair with Tiger Roll has definitely helped. Yeah, that's been an extraordinary love affair. It's been born out in front of all of us. But it's fantastic. <laughs> Probably bored Do we student. know what's happening with Tiger Roll? Have we got an update on him? And is he, is he, is he, is he staying in training? Is that right? Yeah. And Michael O'Leary says he won't go for the national because he'll be handicapped out of it, which means he's an absolute certainty to go for yeah. history yeah. and the national. And racing needs him to because yeah. <clears throat> I, I get on quite well with Michael, strangely. And we had a, he was very kind about ITV at the national and he knows he knows that tiger roll has captured the public's imagination how important for the sport that he runs at entry again next april because that will be for itv and the whole horse racing sport whether you're a flat trainer or a jumps trainer is huge at engaging people in our sport tiger roll resonates a bit like enable does too but not a fraction of the support that tiger roll gets and are you are you finding it hard ed now we're rolling deep into the flat season to try and catch the, the, the public's imagination as you did with the, with those great jumps horses that we see time and time again. I get the odd, odd impression um, occasionally that now Enable and Frankie have come along, and, but it's, it's something that you seem to have to work very hard at. Is that fair? That's a great question. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. I always arrive here for the Craven meeting saying to our team, we've got three weeks to try and make yeah. these horses house where's the names. story how, how are we and you're always looking for a story and it's a real challenge that's why enables are a godsend for all of us and i think i said on itv last weekend at sandown it feels like liftoff for the flat season when she was back mm. and winning again because suddenly mm. sport is on the the front and back pages which is so important and Dottori day at, at royal ascot to be fair did that as well well we said that we said that in the podcast after ascot we said Frankie Dottori, when he finally goes, is going to be the biggest hole in this sport. And we need someone to come and replace him because he provides the headlines. He transcends uh, out of the sport and he's, you know, he is absolutely brilliant. And I put Her Majesty the Queen in the same bracket. Yeah. You know, Pat Smullen said the other day he wasn't sure that we appreciate just how special she is and what she does for the sport of horse racing, how lucky we are. And he's absolutely right. I mean her passion for racing is huge for yeah. the industry. Mm. And Frankie's, Frankie's the same in a way because sports fans engage with Frankie Dottori. And you walk down the street and people have heard of Frankie Dottori, which is good. But you must be delighted with the way things are going at ITV. It's, I mean, it's been a really good sort of gradual improvement every, every time. Very kind. Yeah, I think other, other people should be the judge of that. I think I'm very pleased. Listen, from a personal point of view, it was a huge challenge going from one sport to present another isn't easy, I can assure you, particularly racing with all its nuances and 
I think it's fair to say hey, a lot of people in racing have an opinion on things. And sometimes you do feel... Apart, apart from fellows, he has no opinions. <laughs> which is great, which is good, which is good. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there are times when, you know, I can see exactly where Johnny Bairstow was coming from. And I like Johnny enormously. I can see exactly where he was coming from, what he said about the media. Well, when the, they got beat the other English day. English cricket. No, he, he said, you know, you sense a lot of the people in the media don't want us to win. And I can mm. see where he's coming from. And I was well aware when I started, a lot of people wanted me to fail. A lot of people wanted ITV to fail, which in racing I don't really understand because terrestrial television for racing is such a huge thing. I think people are becoming aware of its importance now with what happened with the Women's World Cup, where you had 11 and a half million people watching a quarterfinal and a semifinal. And racing's had that. And I think it's been very spoiled for a very long time. And hopefully on ITV, we've been the one area in television and sport that's bucked a trend of, of declining viewing figures. Mm. Um, and we're going in the right direction. But one thing we will never do is stand still. Listen, we took a lot of stick after the derby. People didn't like things we did. And I disagreed with a lot of it. I made the mistake of doing a bit of a Johnny Bairstow and saying to the Racing Post, critics make me tear my hair out, which is probably not the right thing to say. But we listened and changed a few things for Ascot and we'll continue to listen. We can always improve and we, we, we will never, ever, ever, while I'm involved with ITV and racing stand still for one second no and I mean it's I mean I know you're, you're, very, you're sort of very humble in the sense that it's for other people to judge but you know as trainers and, and Tony broadcasters it's clear for everyone to see it's it's been a it's a huge highlight in the last couple of years is the ITV coverage and and how it's evolving and and getting stronger it's it's a fantastic um fantastic platform to showcase our sport and we're very lucky to have you we take we take terrestrial TV for granted big time and it is so important that we protect that. I think you're just uh, stealing Ed's that. point. He just, we just talked no, about no, it. No, no, what, what I was going to go on to <laughs> is that actually it reminded me when Big Mac passed away this week. Yeah. The only reason I'm where I am today, the only reason I'm training is because I got completely hooked watching John Frankham, Big Mac, uh, all of those lot having a laugh on Channel 4 Racing. And I was completely obsessed with it. And that was the only reason I... Uh, I decided I wanted to go be training. And, and I'm sure that there's loads of young guys that probably think or will in 10, ten years' time look back at ITV and say the same thing. I hope thing. so. I hope so. Listen, listen, they're never going to... It's a bit like the phrase Jamie Carragher once said, no one's going to grow up and want to be a Gary Neville. Are they, uh, <laughs> are they actually friends on, yeah, they in are. real life they or got, do they, they not get, like each they other? They get on alarmingly well. Do they? Because they're peas from the same pod. You know, when they were players, they were both despised and didn't mind that one iota, but in reality, and that's what, listen, my role in all these things, presenting Monday Night Football, presenting racing, I was going to say, I don't want to be a star like Big Mac. That's not my job. I want to be there as the, the quarterback, the coordinator, the facilitator, if you want, to get the best out of other people. And my job with Gary and Jamie was so easy because they were really? such big characters. And all yeah. I had to do was chuck in the odd grenade. <laughs> <laughs> Gerard was better than Skulls, whatever it might have been, and off they went. Yeah. And, and, and they were fantastic. I learned so much from those two. I really did about life, work ethic, everything. And they were two great guys who I, I was able to show. The first thing I was able to show with Gary that, it was, he, that he wasn't a complete arse, basically, when we started, that he's actually a really good lad with family man, funny, and suddenly people engaged with that and thought, oh, my God, Gary Neville's not the, the person we thought he was in a Man United shirt. And then Jamie Carragher came on board. I remember I was dead anti it because I'd finally had a show at Sky. I'd had three or four shows at Sky, which I'd single-handedly killed. Um, Sky Sports Centre, I killed, that died. 90 Minutes with <laughs> Kirsty Gallagher, she left, that died. And I did the <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the reason. I did something to do with you. Every viewer left. 
<laughs> and then I did the full SP with Jeff Stelling for one season. That died. That sounds boring already. Just there's just the headline of that sounds. <laughs> so then, so then I had Monday Night Football, which was a success, and we started winning awards and this type of thing. And Gary said in his typical Alex Ferguson style, a bit like you two as trainers, once you're succeeding and you've had a taste of Royal Ascot, you'll want to move on, won't you? And Gary was exactly the same. When when Man United were winning. That's when he got rid of a Roy Keane or a Yap Stam or a Van Nistelrooy or someone in the backroom staff and moved forward. And Gary, once we won, I think we'd just won a big award, an RTS award, I think it was. And he said, right, right, in that Mancunian way of his, we need to change it. And I'm like, shut up, Gary, don't need to change it. We finally now I've finally got a show that's working here. And he said, no, 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 we need to change it. And I said, what are you thinking? And, he, and Carragher just retired. He said, I think we should bring in Carragher. And I just absolutely oh, really? choked on my tea and said, you are joking. And then, of course, Carragher comes in and we've got Television Gold. And yeah, it's he, fantastic. He was right. I was wrong. And, and I learned a lot from those guys. So Neville was much more than just your average pundit who comes and gives oh, an opinion. God. He actually helped shape oh, content. God. I mean, he wants to be prime minister. He wants to do everything. <laughs> what went wrong at Valencia? Because his analysis is exceptional. You should never probably have taken the job. You've got to remember that if you go back and look at the history, the chairman of that club is his business partner, blah, 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 blah. So there was, he was sort of helping out. Yeah. And I think he went into an absolute minefield. Yeah. Um, was, uh, but he's he, listen. He's a bit like pass. he's got a bit of genius about him. He's a bit like Rain Man. He's relentless. He's up at four in the morning. I would get emails and WhatsApps and texts from him. I still do occasionally at four in the morning saying we need to do this, we need to do that. And you wake up and go, oh, for God's sake, Gary. He's relentless, but he's relentlessly brilliant. And he squeezed every last ounce out of his ability. He's like a, a useless racehorse that tries and tries and tries again. <laughs> We're talking about uh, members of the football team that you work with there at Sky Sports, but there's a couple of guys that have really added to racing coverage. Jason Weaver, I sit and watch and listen to relentlessly. And funnily enough, he was working with his other broadcast job on Monday night at Windsor, and he called uh, an overturn, a first and second. And his opinion is so often right. I wouldn't say it to his face or if I saw him on the golf course, but how, how good... Uh, an asset is he in terms of people understanding and interpreting what they're seeing he's so good jason you can say it to his face because he's he's an absolute laugh but he's also very very self-deprecating and i think what sums him up we just talked about gary and jamie and the influence on my life i mean when he won the broadcast of the year award in my tribute to him i said he's right up there for me as the best pundit i've worked with because he's a real team player jason you'll notice when he's on with johnny murta he wants johnny murta to take the limelight and he's always just probing away at Johnny to make him look good and then he'll help me out a lot. He'll do anything for the team, Jason. He's very, very good and very astute and willing to put the boot in on a jockey when necessary. He's a, he's a very clever guy, but he's also a great team player. He's hilarious and good fun and would do anything for ITV. But there's a, there's a few like that. Luke's the same and Richard Hoyles is our sort of unsung hero, if you like. Behind the scenes, Hoyles does so much that people won't see or appreciate, but I know. And that's the kind of ITV racing person I want on board. I was speaking to a trainer the other day who was saying to me, why don't the ITV racing team go for the protagonists, the trainers, the jockeys in the way that they do in football, in a press conference or in that environment where if a team's lost, you, you say to Harry Redknapp or Sir Alex Ferguson, whoever, what went wrong? How did it go wrong? And you see these quite uncomfortable but compelling watches. As a journalist, I don't think I've ever dared to say that type of thing. So are we in racing too respectful in the media of trainers? Uh, do we sort of almost give them turn, a get-out I think card? if you turned it round sometimes, particularly some of the jockeys, they think ITV racing are a bit harsh. I can assure you we've had plenty of... Oh, I think really. that's them being sensitive. Yeah, there is a bit, a bit of that, but we're, well, we're not frightened to put the boot in on Scott or Fellows or whoever yeah. it might yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> when no, I agree. You want, you want to I've pick your moments. And, and, and in sport, people know. You know when you've 
You know as a jockey when you've cocked up. You know as a footballer when you've cocked up. I think up. It's, it's easier to get stuck into a jockey, though, isn't it? Because they're the ones actually in the action. When one, when one of mine runs poorly, you know, for one, you don't really mention it. Whereas when one gets a really bad yeah. run and looks unlucky, the jockey yeah. gets slaughtered. Mm. So it's a lot easier to go for the jockey than it is the trainer. I think you need a bit of common sense in it yeah. as well, to be honest. Um, I hate, I absolutely hate jockey bashing and that type of thing, if I'm honest. And it's something I did never do because I've, I wouldn't have a clue. I'll be brutally honest. Mm. And when I came into this job, I came in after Leicester City had won the Premier League in May. So I had from May until that dreadful day at Cheltenham where we presented in a monsoon on January the 1st, I thought to learn everything about racing. I totally consumed myself with racing. And it was such an error, such an error, because I love now taking a step back and not knowing or pretending I don't know because it enables me to ask the questions, because we're always trying to broaden it and bring it to different people. Of course we are. And I, I find it very easy to play that role. It can be a little bit antagonistic at times, because sometimes I know full well the answer, but I just need to ask that question. And I like being someone who's slightly away from racing to be able to do that. So I've sort of, it's, an, it's, it's almost an advantage not to know too much. I know so you've got, so you've, got, you've got your team. Yeah. You've got to keep changing things up. Yeah. Who do, who do we get rid of? <laughs> <laughs> who, who gets the boot? Who do we chuck over the cliff? Surely, Chapman. no. Chapman's very important for us. Oh, he's very really? He's very important for us. Yeah, <laughs> poor it's, old fellows and Chapman. Because safe television is boring television. Um, he doesn't do it perfectly all the time. Let's be honest, but he gives us a spark. My mother, for example, he primes someone who doesn't particularly, I wouldn't say, endeared to him, but she'll watch him. She wants to know what he's going to do next, and he's very. Importantly, he gives us a spike sometimes and winds you up occasionally, which is a good thing. And he's good, Chapman. He's, he's clever. He's cleverer than people think. He's a good journalist. Went to the same school as me. And he gives a spike. Of course he's clever. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I agree. Which it's is, definitely a big place for him on that show. Who got more qualifications, you or Chapman? Uh, I don't know, actually. I'd be surprised if Chapman's got a philosophy degree. So probably... You have a philosophy degree? Are you joking? No. Why do you think that article was so beautifully written? <laughs> I thought Lee Mosshead did it. Full of, full of philosophy. <laughs> I can't believe you'd have written it. We better talk about it, yeah, because we, we've been, yeah, we're slightly skirting around the issue. Of the, uh, um, in, He's had more in media coverage than any other person this week, hasn't he? I know he has. Do you know what? They keep bringing it back here. It keeps going on the feed as well on that <laughs> Racing Post app. I'm sure I've seen that picture. Which means people are reading it. That windswept. Savior of, of racing. <laughs> Savior of racing. Just remember. I, I've oh, never seen. A long way to go. I've never that. seen him so excited about a guest as knowing that Ed was coming. No, in. no. Ed's contrasting I'm perspective really on this debate. Because the beauty of this sport is that there are so many different opinions, and no one is right. And it'd be really dull if we all had the same opinion. And um, it's really interesting. One of the things that I've really enjoyed uh, as a sort of backlash of this article that came out is hearing what other people think and and hearing you know how they how they believe that we should the direction we should go and um you know debate is healthy it's very very, you, very healthy we've heard what you think should we should we see what yeah yeah thinks on the is, subject yeah. of the stick I, ed is d thinks the rules should stick as they are no i don't or, no i don't no no i don't just no, doesn't don't. don't believe in disqualification i think disqualification would be an absolute disaster and listen i'm going to come at this from a television and former footballer present, sorry, football presenter, not former footballer. I never reached any standards there. But I'm going to come at it from that angle for you and see whether you still think disqualification is a good idea when you realise the way ITV would have to cover it. Yeah. Now, I think it's great that you, I love honesty. 
going back to that was very much the Neville and Carragher philosophy in, in the media. Honesty, I like, and I appreciate. I'm not sure George would necessarily agree, but I like what you've done this week. And I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And it's great to see a trainer of high profile as you have an understanding of the bigger picture. It's very healthy. But I think big picture-wise, the disqualification in horse racing would be an absolute disaster because of the coverage on television it would get. Now, I've come from a background in football where most half-times, every full-time, if there's a red card, which would be the equivalent of a disqualification, imagine the analysis of a Nottingham Forest red card in a cup final. Imagine the analysis we used to do on Monday Night Football of a red card in a high-profile football match equivalent of a high-profile race. We would look at the red card from 8, 10, 12 different angles. On Monday Night Football, we'd have all the tools to analyse it with microscopes and super slow-mos and all this kind of thing. If Thanks Be had been disqualified at Royal Ascot, just imagine the analysis we'd have had to do on ITV. We'd have had to replay it over and over again. We'd have had someone counting how many times Haley hit the horse. We'd have had a microscope to see whether they'd made contact, how many times they'd made contact. We'd probably have on the screen one, two, three, four, and we'd have to do it over and over again. And some would say, yes, disqualification. Some might say no, which means we'd probably have to do it again. And that, for horse racing in terms of analysis, would be the worst PR move I can think of. Would it? Because you're making it sound quite interesting. It the way the red cards no, no, are debated. No, no, no. Okay, okay. Not, okay. You're not making it because you're, 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 you're be reiterating the fact that the completely, stick, stick, Ed, stick. completely agree. However, you've just bowled me a long hop and I'm about to hit it oh. out of the ground. Go on. And I'll tell you why. Because it'll stop immediately. You would never, ever get a disqualification. Not one. Okay, I'm coming back with you for because I tell you exactly. Because <laughs> I tell you exactly what would happen. I hope you're right. Jockeys... Instead of, if they were even concerned that they were near the seven, let's say seven is the number, if they were even remotely concerned they were the seven, they would stop. And that what would happen is that instead of hitting them six or seven times, they'd probably hit them about five times. Well, you're saying they Jockey can count to seven. <laughs> in, if, if they were worried, yeah, if no, they were I worried, in the heat joking. of the moment, they would put their stick down and they would ride because they would be so worried about losing a race on a big day on a group one or something like that, that they would not go anywhere near it. And therefore, my argument would be, you might get a disqualification on a Monday night at Windsor. You might get one where someone has just gone too close. But on the big day, you would go nowhere near it. It would improve jockeyship because jockeys would, would get their mounts rolling before going for the stick. It would improve viewing and it would also make us look like we are being proactive and doing something before it gets forced on us, which will happen at some stage. Whether that's 15, 20 years down the line, it will happen. Well, let me come back at you then. You are not going to stop television speculating about whether a horse should be thrown out and disqualified. We are still going to have to, whether you've hit it five times or not, it's still going to be such a big story. The chance, every race will have to analyse how many times has the horse been hit? Is there a chance of disqualification? You are creating a monster for no reason. So how... So even if you're being hit at five, I've still got to employ someone each time to say, is there a chance of disqualification here? They'll come back through and say, yeah, no, great. But if it's close, if there's five, or even if you've just wafted it at fresh air, we're still going to have to analyse it, which I just think for the casual viewer who we're trying to attract to racing would be a catastrophe. Also, you've got to think of other things, Charlie. Imagine the cynical punters, which I've discovered in horse racing, there are quite a lot. Imagine, and I agree with you to a certain extent, 
on a race like that where you've narrowly beaten the Queen's horse or a race where someone's gone one over the limit and won by a short head. What about when Charlie Fellows has got the one to 10 favorite at Southall on a wet Wednesday evening and the jockey accidentally gives it one too many cracks? Then what happens? The conspiracy theories of or, or on purpose. wanting to lose. Yeah, that, no, even worse that. on purpose. No, that's what this is the about. only. This is the only counter argument. I was putting it hopefully a bit. Yeah, but that, how, that holds weight. That is the only counter argument so far I've heard that holds any weight as to why these rules would not work. But our philosophy in this country, which I think is the right one, is that the best horse wins the race, and that is what the whole rules are built around. And I actually agree with that. I actually agree with that. And if Charlie's change comes and disqualification comes in, I will not feel comfortable presenting horse racing. I think it would be horrendous. So, so the how do you... Of horse racing will just be... It'll go... Look at football now with VAR. And that's not a patch on it. Yeah. After a gold Counting cup... The first thing you have to do is... Gold turn cup, first thing we've count. got to do. And if it's remotely dodgy, we're then... The first replay is going to be one, two... Three. Four. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, because you see, they often waft it. And then the steward's inquiry will result. In they'll go, and then ex-jockey will say, no, I missed with strike six. Then you back, you go, and more analysis. Did it make contact? Imagine for young people watching that. Oh, my God. So what would you do instead? The punishment's got to fit the crime. Where I agreed with you in that article at the moment, it's obvious that the punishment doesn't fit the crime. And with my limited knowledge, listen, I am no expert and I never claim to be an expert in ITV. I've never tried to tell anyone anything or inform them. That's not my job. My job is to get that out of whoever it is, Murta, Weaver, Harvey, McCoy, Walsh, whoever. But the thing that doesn't sit right for me at the moment, fine, Haley's missing the July meeting this week, but say a ban from the Gold Cup at Ascot again, let's use that as an example. If you get done for the whip on that, you can, as far as I understand it, your days, you could miss Catrick, Ripon, whatever. The punishment for me has to fit the crime. And I would like to experiment, see if we could stamp it out with, if you are caught in a race of that nature, your punishment should be missing equivalent races, i.e. group ones. You, you can't serve your ban over minor meetings on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You need to miss those high-profile races that are going to hurt. So if you've got done at Royal Ascot, right, when's the next group one? Right, you're going to miss the eclipse. You're going to miss the big races at the July meeting, a July cut, whatever it might be. That will hurt. That will hurt. And that would be actually very fair across the board for the jockeys because we, we, we have to take into account the jockeys and all this. It's all, it's all well and good, us going through everything, but we can't, we can't risk really harming the jockeys, you know, their earnings. And that, that would actually fit the bill, wouldn't it? In the sense that if you did it on a small meeting, and I'd say a, a Windsor on a Monday night, or, and then it would be the equivalent of missing that, those respective meetings. But if Ryan Moore... William Buick, one of the boys riding in a Group One, did it. Then you know, exactly. yeah, it's it's a similar thing with the to win a Group One, they would happily forsake a ride in a Group One. I don't know. Of course they Not would. Just one Group One. Three win, days or racing to or win a Group One. Are you know. joking? I don't know. Of course they would. But, but it wouldn't make just any one, difference. Not just one Group One. Do they what, think? So how many are you going to ban them for? Well, that's what we've got. Five Group Ones. That's what we've got. Five that's Saturdays. Race that's what, that's five. what we've got to work out. We've got to work out a way for the punishment to fit the crime. That is the key. Disqualification for me, fine, it, I totally see where you're coming from. I just think for horse racing, it would be a bad way to go. I really do. How many red cards are, yeah. there, in, how many oh. red cards are there in a football season? For a red card, you don't lose a match, do you? But for a red card... It's different. But for a red the card, punishment just, is different. Just remember, you've got both sides of it. You've also got the speculation of should it have been a red card. I can't remember a game where I didn't ask the question, Graham Sunak, should that have been a red? Every game. And that's going to happen in a race. Are we looking at a disqualification here? 
Ed, are you saying that you didn't always enjoy those elements? Because part no. of the attraction of football for me no. is the debate. And as a football I journalist, hate, I, I know that that's I part of what refereeing. we enjoy discussing. I hated refereeing. And that fans like discussing and talking about. You know? I hated, and I still do, I hate criticism of referees. That is the hardest job in the world. Never enjoyed it, leaving one on a referee. They got to look at it in a split second, and there's me with all these tools, analysing everything to the nth degree, and this guy getting dog's abuse for an innocent mistake. That is the hardest job in the world, and we'd analyse it to the nth degree, which we had to do, and if there's disqualification in horse racing, I would feel obliged to do something I'd have to. We're not going to resolve this no, here this not. morning. We have the pleasure of Ed in, in, the, in the room, guys. Um, football, would you ever consider going back there, or are you, are you happy where you oh, are? It's racing for you. You'd never say never in any walk of life, and who knows how long ITV will do the racing. I think, as, listen, as long as racing stays on terrestrial television, I'll be happy, whether that's the BBC, Channel 4, ideally us. I, I, I absolutely love what I'm doing at the moment. It's a great challenge. It's something I've really got my teeth into. I enjoy it. Love the team I'm working with, and the sport is fantastic. It's a sport I'm learning about all the time. But never say never. You know, one day, possibly. Because you like your cricket too, don't you? Love my cricket. Love my golf. Love a bit like you guys. Oh, you got fellow. You, got oh, fellow, you had fellows very kindly into your charity day. Well, we get you, big names there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fellows drove the green. He came in here and said the highlight of his, his sporting week was driving the green on ten. Career, Tony. Career. A career driving week. Yeah. Hit the green on ten. Yeah. yeah. I've missed. I missed the whole bunch. Wow. Millimeters. Really? Yeah, yeah. So that now we now list that as both them. Yeah. Both them's done it. I think Lara's done it. Fellows. Both, I mean, good company. Good company, yeah. Fantastic. Good company. Sporting greats. Yeah. Sporting greats. <laughs> Saviour of racing. <laughs> What's your golf game like, Ed? We must Terrible. Find out. Oh, I was poor. I was poor. Uh, normally, we have, we've been at the uh, Woburn for the, for the golf day. It's a very important thing I, I, I love doing, largely because of Wellchild, the charity that I'm an ambassador for. But it's, it's a great day. And we've moved it to the Belfry this year, which was quite a challenge, wasn't it? The Belfry was too difficult for me. I, I, I started on 18, another iconic hole with the water, and, and I hit a great tee shot into position A, and I walked past Christy O'Connor's marker where he hit a one iron. I hit a five iron in as my second to the 18th, and I snap-hooked it and nearly knocked my hero's head off, Matt Letizia, who was coming up the ninth. <laughs> oh, no. That would have been a story, wouldn't it? Crikey, it was embarrassing. Yeah. So who finishes higher in the table this year? My um, beloved Norwich or um, probably the favourite Southampton? Do you think Norwich have got I a chance I think we'll do all right, actually. Listen, you're a terrific club yourselves. Um, but I think you'd be happy with survival, oh, wouldn't you? 17 But Southampton this year, under the rabbit hutch, we've, we've got ambitions. We're, I like what we're doing this summer. I think we'll do all right. You know, have you we'll, signed anyone? Yeah, we've signed a couple of really good players. Che Evans we've signed. we signed a Marley and Winger, who looks in pre-season decent. Obviously, you don't want to read too much into that. But we're, we're a good club. We've had a, a blip because we'd had such a good ride. It was always going to happen. We were going to have a, a, a dodgy period. But I've got a good feeling again. And I'm a pessimist when I come to Southampton. But I can, I'm very hopeful of a top half finish. The better the season's Leicester. I think Leicester are going to have a terrific season. I think they've got... They've signed well, haven't they? Made a couple of key acquisitions. Well. I think they've got the best coach in the league. I think Brendan Rodgers... OK, there's Pep and away from that. But I think Brendan Rodgers is fantastic. Such a good coach. And they'll go well, Leicester. Because if you look outside that top six or seven, Everton are decent, obviously. But there's so much scope to, to finish seventh or eighth and I think Leicester will do that they're, they're my mm. bet for the season and um, Ed we've obviously at the July meeting ahead of us yeah. who, who are you most looking forward to, to seeing and who, who you know we've got we're nice to have fellows or a Scott winner would be nice Pretty Pollyanna would be nice that would be yeah, lovely be yeah. great no, but he's, who's, he's got a winner Saturday he's just said in, to your right ear yeah he says that, confidently Chaz? predicting a winner yeah who's that a filly called Iron Magical oh really well at Newmarket mm-hmm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Mark Johnson's two-year-old vi- vi- visionary. Yeah. And Saturday's just blockbuster. Saturday's the day when we go main channel, all guns blazing, 10 live races, 
Some people say, why aren't you showing 12 or 14? People have got to remember we have a contract where we're only allowed to show a certain amount of rates. And seems plenty as well, because it's nice, it's nice to it's take plenty. them in a little bit, you know? And we've got a gap before the July Cup to do that justice, because that's the big race. Yeah. So, yeah, really looking forward. Saturday's, you know. What wins the July Cup? Wow. Tip, tip from all of us. I'd like to see Pretty Pollyanna win it, but uh, the way Frank, I, I always have been a big fan of Advertise. I really have, and obviously put it together massively. And you couldn't, you couldn't um, be dissuaded by Frankie's form at all, could you? So no, he'd fine, be the one. It? And it, Frankie continuing on this Group One it's just bonanza is great for us, and I hope it happens again. I really do. I think he can win, don't you? Yes. I think Advertise is the best horse in the race, and I think he will win. Ed, you must have enjoyed being in the company of the saviour of racing this morning. It's yeah. been an honour and a privilege. It's unbelievable. I've learnt a lot. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for, yeah, for dropping by and, and coming, Ed. It's really... Yeah, to you guys. I'm, I'm keen to support anything that helps spread the popularity of the sport. What you guys are doing for trainers to step up like you do and have an opinion and honesty and do things like this is great. So, absolute pleasure to support you. No, Thank you very much for coming in. July week, always a big one in the town, boys. Um, you're going to be up at the track over the next two or three days. What's your week hold? Um, definitely going to go racing tomorrow. Got some friends coming racing, so we'll go and go and watch. But no runners, no runners at Newmarket. We've got runners in plenty of other places, but nothing at Newmarket. Charlie mentioned um, earlier that he had a filly running on Saturday, which he quite fancied, so no doubt he'll fill us in on that. I have got three runners at Newmarket. I've got a two-year-old first time out. With Anglo-Saxon, a horse called Tolfaris, who was 10th in the Britannia, ste step him up to a mile and a quarter, which is interesting, and a change of ground. His first time he's run on quick ground, so we'll see how that goes. Big field will suit him. And best chance of the lot is at Iron Magical on Saturday. She drops back a furlong to seven furlongs. I didn't feel that she got home last two starts at Sandown and Nottingham. She's won it on the track before. Uh, and carries no weight. So she should have a she should have a really good chance and she'll have the ground. And before we get on to your hotly awaited naps, um what are your thoughts on the big one, the Group One July Cup? Um I see our partners Fitstairs have advertised as favourite. And by the way, any podcast listener who uh, selects the second place horse in the race uh, can get money back if mentioning the Fitstairs podcast partnership uh, when inquiring. Uh, advertise uh you know, Frankie on board. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I actually alluded to advertise on a previous podcast before before Asker. He's a very he's a very talented horse. Obviously, wasn't right at the start of the season. I think it's uh, the way the, the summer's rolling on. It's, it would be unsurprising if Frankie were to win the, the July Cup. I, Charlie was made a good point earlier about uh, dream of dreams. That was yeah, stouts. I yeah. think he'd handle the track quite as well. I don't know if it's handled the track, but I just didn't think his running style. I think it's really difficult to come from behind at Newmarket. I think they get rolling down that hill. And it's only when they uh, sort of hit the last half a furlong that you go up. I just, I think it's a it's a track where you really want to be on the pace. I think Advertise is the best horse in the race. And Three. I would be surprised if he doesn't win. So we know who wins the July Cup. Um, boys, who are you going to put up as uh, your own best bets in the coming few days? No pressure after last time, hey? Yeah, I think we've got a good run. I, I'm going to put up um, a horse called Dragon Command who won at Hamilton. The other day, and typical fellow style, I think I got a message that was saying, well, like, what, what did you say? Isn't to? Hamilton in Sweden? Yeah, something like that, some stupid message. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's, I think he's starting life off a very sensible mark, 78. He's going to run at York on Saturday in the nursery. And um, two-year-olds with handicap marks. My two-year-olds are nowhere near having <laughs> handicap marks. <laughs> uh, have you been run a couple, haven't you? Three, four? Not many. Um, none of one, anyway. Um so yeah, he'd be the one. 
No, I just win with lots of older horses and a Royal Ascot. So, <laughs> yeah. What have you? What are you napping? Oh, I'm magical. I'm magical. Episode nine has been one long row, so we'll call <laughs> time on it there. Well, there you have it. Scott and fellows have spoken happily. Ed Chamberlain has spoken some sense alongside them. So thanks to Ed. Thanks also to our producer, Carl Homer from Cambridge TV. Episode 9 of Off the Bridle has come to its conclusion. Check us out on Twitter at Bridal Podcast and subscribe to this pod on iTunes, Spotify or wherever. That way you won't miss us next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.